Thank you, God. You can be seated. Isn't it great to worship? Isn't it great to worship God? Man, come on. Every campus, God is moving. God is doing a great work, and we are excited. We want to welcome you at whatever campus that you're uh, worshiping at, whether it's Campbell or Anderson or North or Blunt or the Internet Campus or Pellissippi. We are so excited that you chose to worship with us this weekend. By the way, it's great for Michelle and I to be back from Australia. We were in a conference last week and had a great time. Didn't Pastors Josh and Matt both do a great job on those two weekends? Man, they just were awesome. It's exciting. Thank you also again for cards and lots of tweet love. Uh, Last weekend was our 18th anniversary. And uh, man, it's been 18 rocking years. So it's exciting. So we love you, church. Again, we love every campus. We love what God is doing. We love what God is about, and it is so exciting. It's 2014. We're now in the second half. It's the year of the hundredfold harvest, and it has already been. It's our best six months we've ever had of reaching people and growth and in just every way that you can look to health and the life of the congregation. It is exciting. I want to tell you, you know, you can, you can lock into your campus wherever you're worshiping this weekend, and you can think, well, you know, man, it's just, you know, you can just see what's happening here. But I'm telling you, Campbell County, the number one meth county in the state of Tennessee, God is bringing revival at our Campbell County campus. God's using Chad and Brandy over there. It is unbelievable what God is doing. So, man, guys, we're praying for y'all. We love you. Come on. Amen. North Knoxville campus just exploding in the Expo Center. It's, it's over doubled since we lost it two years ago. Man, people have been saved. Lives have been changed. Mike and Candace are rocking at North Knox. Man, we're praying for you. Can't believe. Waiting for the third service. It's exciting. At Anderson, Campbell, at Anderson, uh, over at our campus in Anderson County, Sid and Judy doing an unbelievable job growing. They're having to lease some more children's space from a building down the street. People are being saved. Lives are being changed. Man, it is, it's exciting. I go to, to Blount County uh, with Matt and Carmen now, the new campus pastors over there. And, man, it has exploded. We're going to have to go to a third service at our Blount County campus before long. And so, man, we love you guys. You're rocking. We love it. Matter of fact, I was at a conference uh, Thursday with Andy Stanley and Craig Groeschel, pastor to the largest church in America. They both have a quite a large number of campuses, and they're sort of on the edge of thinking. And I just have to tell you that my vision just got wrecked on Thursday. Literally, it did, man. I, I realized I was thinking way too small. <laughs> serious. I'm serious. I'm not playing. Listen, Fort over. we're going to be on eight services on the weekend at Pellissippi. Eight. Eight. We're going to be in, at every campus. Listen, why would we let the building set still for six days a week? Amen? Come on. Man, I'm just believing God for revival, for growth. It is so exciting. Internet campus, we're thrilled that you're with us also. Uh, we're going to do something that we've only ever done really once in the last three years. We either did it last year or the year before. And what I've done is I've asked all the campus pastors uh, to, to do the message live at every campus this weekend. And so they're all with us right now. All the campuses are we're all hooked up together. Uh, but we're, we're going to talk about a topic that really needs to be discussed at every single location. And God has given us some unbelievable leaders. Man, it's just unbelievable what God has done. 
So we're, we're nearing the end of Roots. Two more weekends will be on Roots, and then we're going to start a series called Open House on deliverance and demonic issues and how the devil uses what he uses to even destroy Christians. It's going to be, it's going to be the greatest thing we've ever done. It starts in three weekends. We've got two more weekends rich in this weekend. So, man, I'm excited. So, listen, every campus, what I want you to do, because we really try to cultivate a, a culture of honor at Faith Promise Church. So, what I want you to do right now at every campus, I want you to put your hands together. I want you to welcome the men of God to every platform at Faith Promise. So, come on, let's welcome it all to the campuses. Here we go. It's just us, just us chickens and the internet campus. They're with us. So we're down to two. It's, it's like a vacation. And uh, so let me ask you a question. If you're listening, say I am. Have you ever asked God for more, more joy, more victory, better health, you know, more time? Have you ever, you've got, have, how many of you, let's be real, come on. How many of you have ever asked God for more money? Come on. Okay, if your hand's not up, those are the liars in the house. And so we've got a lying seminar out back. You can, Pastor Josh will be out there to talk with all the liars. Uh, see, we've all asked God for more money because we've all had needs. And, and you know, God promised to meet all of our needs, didn't he? Didn't he? Can I tell you, it doesn't bother God when you ask God, hey, God, well, I need this need, and a child's sick, or we've got to have a car, we've got to have rent. It doesn't bother God. Matter of fact, God loves for his children to ask because God loves to provide for his children. He said, if you being evil know how to good give good gifts to your children, how much more will I give of those that ask of me? So we're going to use really one of my favorite, I, I'm, I'm debating it's all, i just about ready to say it's my favorite verse in the whole Bible, but it is, it is so close. It's Ephesians 3.20. I tweeted 4.20, but I have fat thumbs. Am I the only one that has a problem with those stupid little phones? Man, I, I'm long for the days of the payphone. You know, people didn't bother you when there was only a payphone. You ever thought about that? I mean, you know, there's a lot of good things. I'm sorry. Let's, I, I digress. We got too much. Ephesians 3.20 uh, is, is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. In context, our text, that text is the conclusion of a prayer the Apostle Paul prayed for you and for me. So let's look at that prayer. Pick it up in verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Paul is saying, because of this, I pray for you. Now, it wasn't just the Ephesian churches because these letters that Paul sent that became holy writ were sent to other churches. And so this prayer is for us because we're Christ followers. So he said, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father in whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray, this is what he said, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now, you ought to circle that in your Bible and go back in a couple mornings this coming week and meditate on that, the riches of his glory. I wonder how much that is. I'm going to say that's a lot, the riches of God's glory, to be strengthened with his power, uh, with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you may be rooted and grounded in love. Now, that's that's the verse, same thing he said to Colossian Church, which our current series is found, that you'd be rooted and grounded in love. 
and may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and the height. Really, when you think of the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of the love of God, can you ever wrap your arms around it? You can never mine all the nuggets out of just this one prayer. It's awesome. I love the word of God. To know the, 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 in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Let me, hey, circle all the fullness of God. I want to challenge you this week as you're on our, your, your Bible reading plan to pull that out and meditate for a few minutes. All the fullness of God. All the fullness of God. He created the universe. We can't even see the end of it. We can barely see the beginning of it. A lot of us look out there at horizon. It's only the edge of the rut we're living in. Man, our God created the universe. There is no end to his power, no end to his glory, no end to his vastness. Through all the fullness of God, that will mess up your head. But I love to have my head messed up, don't y'all? And then verse 20, our key verse, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church, not the pastor, not the leaders, not the elders. To Jesus be the glory uh, in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now we want to lock in on verse 20. And really, and think we're going to look at actually not just verse 20, but I really want to focus on one word in verse 20. Are you ready for it? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. The word is more. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's more. Good. Look to the person on the other side and say, there's more. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly. Man, we all ask for more. We all ask God to give us more of all kinds of things. And so there's more. God promises that there's more. They asked J.D. Rockefeller, many of you have heard this quote, how much money is enough? And what did he say? I need a little bit more. See, we're a more kind of people, and we serve a more kind of God. There is more. He, he said, man, there is more. There's more. God, God said there's, that he's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Does, does that make sense? It's just, it's more. God is always able to provide for us more. That's just what he does. Does that make sense? How many of you are with me? All right, so I hope you got your Bible. Matter of fact, you got your Bible, hold it up. Let me see, let me see some Bibles. All right. Good. Now, I didn't mean Bibles that glow, because now listen. Okay. Let me watch in the World Cup and say it's my Bible. God will strike you down in the house of God. So, it's, you know, scares me when you got a Bible that glows. I'm going to quit saying turn to say click in your Bible. You know, click, thumb down in your Bible. Go ahead and thumb across to Ephesians 3.20. So what we want to do is we want to drill down in this word and think about this. But before we, but before we really drill down and think, about, and think about God and more, I want to give you just some thoughts about Money, because I'm going to talk about generosity this weekend as we begin our, our new fiscal year. And I, I want to talk to you about something. And so we want to drill down. So let me give you some thoughts about giving. Are you ready? Or about money. Number one, the hallmark of spirituality is how you handle your money. Or one of the major biblical hallmarks of spirituality is how you handle your money. You, you cannot deal with spiritual growth and the fullness of God in your walk with God and your development as a disciple without talking about money. It's impossible. Now, we try today, but the Bible doesn't allow it. 
Is that, is that right? Jesus didn't because he said you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and you can't serve money at the same time. Number two, money is the number one contender for your heart against Jesus. Y'all believe that? It's like, hey, can I welcome you to the title round, the heavyweight championship of the entire world in this corner, weighing in at three grams, a $100 bill. In the other corner, weighing in at the glory and the power of God and capable is the Lord Jesus. And we have the title match of the century. Who's lining up where? Would you agree that most of the world's lining up behind money? So he said you can't serve God and money. It's just, it's just clear that there's no way to do it. Number three, are you ready? If you raise him, ready. We don't give less under grace than we gave under the law. Well, the Old Testament gave 10%. I'm under grace. I don't have to give. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Are y'all, does that make sense? C- come on, man. It's just crazy. Well, you know, there's nothing in the New Testament of how much I'm supposed to give or whatever. So, you know, man, I just believe God wants me to keep it all. You don't know anything about God if you believe that. You've never read this book if you believe that. Number four, tithing is still biblical. You knew I was going to get there. I'm coming there. Matthew 23, 23 says this. It's just, it says this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. It said, for you tithe. Man, the mint and dill and, and cumin, I mean, the little bittiest thing. You guys, you guys do that, but you neglect the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these things you should have done. What things? Tithing. Without neglecting the other weightier, more important. Matter of fact, he said, man, tithing is just so bad. It's just... It's just sort of an introductory deal. It's, man, you know, it's, there's all these other issues that are so much more important, so much, so much greater weight than that. Now, Michelle and I, when we, were, when we moved to Jennings, Louisiana, dirt poor, making $16,000 a week with three kids who refused to quit eating. <laughs> Have y'all tried? Mike and Zach would just eat the carpet. So there's no way to get them to quit, so I had to feed them. We were making $16,000. At that point, we began giving 20%. Now, you know, it wasn't much money. But when 16000 is all you got, it was a big amount to us. But we believed our God was bigger. And we spent a lot of years being poor. Do any of y'all understand that? Anybody with me? Anybody understand sort of walking in, sort of poor? But this is what Michelle and I decided. We were going to be bringers. We came to church as bringers. Some people come to church as takers. We were always going to walk in as bringers, bringing our service. Are you with me? Serving. Bringing our family, committing our family, training them to serve the house of God and the Lord of the house. We began bringing our neighbors and our families and friends. We, were, we brought them, but we also brought our tithe into the storehouse because we wanted to honor God and we wanted to faithfully serve the house of God and make sure the house of God remained. That there may be food in my house, God says, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse. So we were, we, were, we were bringers. Now let me tell you, you know the best and easiest way to give is online. Almost 65% of all of our offerings come in online, man. Matter of fact, I haven't done it. I'm Monday, I'm changing, Aaron. I'm going to go Monday, and I'm going to start giving online because people don't have to count it. They don't have to deposit it. It's just automatic. So it's easiest and best way, but there's five ways to give. Malachi 3.10, this is what it says. Some of y'all know this. 
It's the one Old Testament verse you have memorized. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. See, some people say, well, I tithe 3%. That's not a mathematician. I 10%, 3%. What does that mean? It means I give 3%. So bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this. You ought to circle that because there is nowhere where you have a door open to test God. Nowhere where God says test me. Matter of fact, what did Satan tell the devil? You shall not tempt the Lord your God. But God says, hey, I'm going to open the door right here. You can test me in this. And now test me in this, says Lord of if I will not open the windows of heaven and part of blessings until it overflows. Now, do we serve a big God? And you think his window's big in heaven. Now, when God pours out his blessing, do you think it's a bunch of blessings? Uh, any four of you? Anybody else? Man, I, I, I just believe God. But get, listen, God backs the blessing truck up. Beep, beep, beep. At my house every day, just dumps. You ever feel that way? Am I the only ones to bless most blessed guy alive? Are, are y'all blessed? Come on, somebody help me. Number five, there is no discipleship plan that's complete without dealing with money. Now, if I were to walk up to you and say, are you reading your Bible, sir? Would you be offended? If I were to walk up and say, hey, are you praying? Would that bother you? If I were to walk up and say, hey, Ron, are you inviting anybody to church? Would that bother you? Are you praying with your wife? Would that bother you? But when I walk up and say, are you giving 10%? I never, well, I know you need to start. Somebody help me preach. <laughs> I'm serious. You see what we've done? You we can talk about fasting. Do you fast? No, but thanks for asking. Do you, do you read your? We could talk about all the disciplines. How about silence and solitude? We, they're, they're all open, but we can't talk about money, can we? Does that, does that make sense? It, it doesn't make any sense. There's no discipleship plan that doesn't deal with your billfold your calendar, your priorities. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Number six, are you ready? Can you handle one more? And then I'm going to dive into more. Are you ready? The number one enemy, I want you to hear this. If you're listening, say I am. I believe at Faith Promise Church, the number one enemy against generosity is not greed. People in this church do not not give because they're greedy. That's not the heart of this church. That's not the heart of people that don't give. You're not sitting back there angry that I'm talking about it. No, no, see, the number one enemy against generosity is not greed. The number one enemy against generosity is fear. Because this is what you believe. If I give, I won't have enough. I won't have enough money. I won't have enough to buy groceries. I won't have enough to pay the car note. I won't have enough for retirement. I won't, I, I won't have enough to help the kids get through college. I won't have enough. That's the greatest. Listen, and I want to help you this weekend. God has already told me he's going to elevate people's faith this weekend. And so listen, the, it's the deal. It's fair. You say, well, that's not many of us. It's 75%. Every three people that walk in all of our campuses, three out of four don't tithe because they're afraid. So I'm not talking to a few. I'm not. I'm talking to the bulk of the people, all 5,000 plus that will be at all of our campuses this weekend. And let me tell you what that means. Are, are, you, are you ready? 
That means that your fear trumps the promises of God. That means that you are living under fear, not faith. That means that you are missing the victorious life. It means that you are missing all that God wants to do because you are not, you are not accessing, not appropriating the promises of God, but you are living, in fact, by fear. Is that fair? And so, and so come on, Ephesians 3.20 says this. And now, and now God is able. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly, far more abundantly above what we can think or imagine according to the power that works within us. Is our God able? Let's go back. He says, look at this. Now to him, who's him? Yeah, Jesus. Now to him, who's him? Jesus. Who who is able? Who is able? Is he able? Is he able to heal? Is he able to save? Is God able to move? Is God able to show up? Is he able to provide you the money that you need to live on? Excuse me? Yes. He's, he's able. And I'm going to tell you this is what I believe with all my heart. I believe I'd, I, there's no question. I'd rather have 90% with the favor of God than 100% without it because my 90% will go farther than your 100% because the power of God rests on the 90%. <laughs> see, look, look at this. Then it goes, he said, look at the word more. I, I want you to see the word more. Have you got it on your, on your glowing Bible? Look at the word to the left and the right. Far, far more, more abundantly. Now, I try to figure out what those words are, but I don't know grammar very well. I don't know if they're an adjective or an adverb. Some of y'all know, but I, don't, I just don't know because I forgot all that. I learned it in Greek and forgot it. I didn't learn it in high school. I learned it in seminary. But look at it. He's able to do more. Not just more, but far more. Not just far more, but far more abundantly beyond. And <laughs> your needs, are they too big for God? your house not too big? You say, but you don't understand, Pastor. We made some bad financial moves, and, and we've gotten a bind, and we can't tithe. We just got, listen, do you want God to help you get out of the bind? Three of you. What about the rest? Y'all just, come on. We were dog, dirt poor when we started giving 20%. I mean, it's, just, it's just the deal. Now, the, I titled this message, there's more where that came from. You you ever heard that saying, well, there's more where that came from. Now, that could be negative like you could spank your kid and say, there's more where that came from. (laughs) It could be positive. You can get a cookie and say, hey, there's more where that came from. There's more. Listen, God, there's always more where that came from. And you will see the power and the favor of God as you roll into the generosity journey. You'll see it move. I'm going to give you four mindsets that we've got to have if we are going to, if we're, I'm, oh, holy moly, I'm so far behind time, that we are going to, that we're going to have to have. Are you ready? Can you write fast? Let's own challenge you to take notes. Do you know that, that, you'll, that, that if those people that take notes at church, they remember 30%, 33% more than those that don't? And do you know that 18% of all statistics are made up right there on the spot? So it just helps me when you, when you write it down. It's going to help you. Number one, attitude. Is it, are, you, are you of a multiplication ma- uh, attitude or are, you with a, or are you with a maintenance attitude? When it comes to generosity to God, the things, to more, are you, about, are you about multiplication or are you about maintenance? The reason that we're multi-site is we believe in multiplying God. 
Used to, you had one church, one building, one service on the weekend. Y'all remember that? This weekend, we'll give 13 gospel invitations. 13 invitations for people to be saved in six locations. And so we believe in that's multiplying God. So we're multi-sided. We're, we're more sites. We're more invitations. We're more seats. We're asking God to multiply souls. We have a multiplication mindset. See, a multiplication mindset is an abundance mindset. Does that make sense? But some of us let our past poison our perspective. Because something didn't happen, didn't work out the way you wanted it to in your past, you let that poison your faith and your trust and your belief in God. Come on. See, a multiplying mindset is an abundance, big God mindset. A maintenance, a maintained mindset is a poverty mindset. We live in Appalachia where so many people are poor. There have been 10, 20 generations of poverty. They don't believe they'll ever get out. Their past has poisoned their perspective. They don't think there's enough. They don't think there's a road. They don't think that God can bless. Man, they don't think that God can use them. It's a maintenance. If I can just hang on to what I have, I can just hold on to it. What can God put in those hands clenched? But when I open them up and say, multiply, Lord, what's in there? My goodness. He fed, he fed 5,000 men, 25,000 people with two sardines and five biscuits. He can provide your need. There are a lot of multiplication miracles in the Bible, but do you know every multiplication miracle somebody gave something? When the, the oil multiplied for the widow, first thing she did was give to the prophet. See, let me, let me see. Faith promise has not been built on the talents and gifts of a few, but the sacrifice of the many. Churches aren't built on, on a few, on a good preaching or, or good worship. Churches are built on the sacrifices of the people of God who want to build the house of God. Does that make sense? Come on, man. So Michelle and I commit, 20% is our base, and then we, we give in our annual miracle offering called Heart for the Harvest. It's coming up in the middle of November. Man, we're already setting aside now, believing God's going to multiply that money so we can give our biggest offering we, we've ever given in Heart for the Harvest so that we can continue to expand our campuses. Blunt's going to have to move before it's all over. We're going to have to have a new location for North before it's over. If you've not been to Campbell County, we've got to have a new facility for Campbell County. Man, we, and that's, how do we do it? We do it out of the heart for the harvest offerings. Now, 2014 has been our best financial year ever. We, we, the last six months, we kept 13's budget. We're a couple hundred thousand dollars ahead of budget. Praise God. Praise God. Man, God. And I know what it's like. Michelle and I, man, we spent our first 10 years poor, poor. Poor is different than being poor. Man, we were poor. We just were, but we've seen the multiplication of miracles that would boggle your mind. Is anybody with us? I remember one night, middle of the night, it's about 1 o'clock in the morning, I was in the hood in Memphis. I was in seminary. Michelle was home with three kids. We had one car, an old beater car, no cell phone. She was stuck there with those kids all the time. It's a wonder she's sane. <laughs> it was about 12 o'clock at night. I was painting a kitchen on a rental house. That's how I, we worked our way through. It was midnight, and I was... I was halfway done with the kitchen. I looked into my bucket of paint, and there was enough for about three more rollers full. You know what I'm talking about, painters? About three more rollers. I looked at half the, half the kitchen. needed to be done. I didn't have any money. Everything was closed. I needed to finish that thing and get paid so Mike and Zach could eat. And I looked over that bucket of paint and said, God, I'm asking you to multiply the paint So I don't have any money to buy any more. I need you to multiply this paint. It's not going to finish the room. I'm just going to keep painting. 
I'm going to believe you're going to finish this room. And when I finished the last little spot, that roller just looked like it was brand new. <laughs> I started going squeaky dry. But that kitchen was done because we serve a multiplying God. No doubt. So let me ask you, which side do you want to be on? Do you want on the multiplication side? Or do you want to be on the maintenance side? 75% of our body doesn't tithe. Doesn't tithe. Come on. But let me tell you what happens. When you join the generosity journey, your faith will grow. There are four levels of giving. Beginner, which means you, you, you begin the journey. A learner, which means you put God in your budget. You're not at 10%, but you put God in your budget and you're increasing every year. Core, which means you give 10%. Or lavish, which means you give over 10%. And I'm challenging you, whatever level you're at, to up your game. Some of you need to begin. Just start giving. Listen, I'm not talking about next weekend either. Are you with me? We got enough spiritual procrastinators. Don't we? I know about this weekend. And so, number two, are you ready? Can you handle it? Number two, obedience or option. When it comes to generosity and God providing more, do you believe that your generosity is out of obedience or do you believe it's an option? Now, I've been in the ministry for 32 years, and let me tell you what I've watched in 32 years. I watched when I first got saved, everybody talked about tithing, everybody talked about generosity, and then as, as the America got farther away from the Bible, people began, pastors and churches and denominations began to get scared, and they began to, they began to bob and weave around money, and they began to, man, we want to reach people. The only way to reach people is not talk about money, and so, man, we've now got a generation that has not grown up with a teaching of biblical generosity. See, I'm afraid they'll get mad if I preach about it. Can I tell you something? Are you ready? I'd rather, God, I'd rather you get mad at me than God get mad at me because I don't preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. Man, that's, that's just the deal. That's the deal. Jesus didn't stammer or stutter when he talked about money, did he? He slammed that topic. He drove right into it. So, man, are you, are you across that biblical line of 10%? Are your account, are your account sanctified? It is it's unbelievable to me how many saints have never been taught the biblical principle of tithing. It's unbelievable. It's just, and it's so sad because they get hurt because somebody steered away from the topic of money. Now, let me give you a hint, especially parents. Start early, it's easier. If you tithe a dime off your dollar allowance when you're eight, then you're 13, you get a mowing job, you make 50 bucks a week, you get five, that's not too bad. Then you go to, then you get in high school, you start working at McDonald's and your paycheck is, is $103 and you give, you know, you give $10. That's not too tough. Then you get out of college, you're making $20,000, $30,000 because today a college graduate is $28,500. Thank you very much for that college debt. And here we rock and roll and we make $2,800. But you come to this church and the average, the average household income in Knox County is $44,000 and you walk in and I say, hey, you need a tithe, that's $4,400. You say, are you crazy? Because you've never given. Does that make sense? So it's easy to start early. And, and, pe- and, and really, the pe- that guy, that couple's living on 44,000 say, Pastor, you don't understand. We make 44, we live on 46. Where's that 44 coming from? Well, you need to get your life in line so that you could be faithful to God. Are you with me? Now, I talk to rich people. <laughs> so listen, I talk to, because I don't mind talking about this. Does it look like it's bothering me? Woo, I've, I've been fired up about this message. 
And I taught you rich people say, whoa, wait a minute, 10%. Do you know how much money I make? No. My tithe will be six figures. Well, praise God for that. (laughs) And they say, that's too much money. I'm not doing it. I said, oh, that's no problem. Let me pray for you. Dear God, drop their salary to (laughs) $10,000. So their tithe will only be 1,000. Whoa, wait a minute. Don't pray that. Get your hands off of me. Come on. Much of robbers stealing from God. See, do you see generosity as, as optional? Or do you, do, you, do you see it as obedience? Almost 80% of faith promise falls in this category. category. When you have a heart of gratitude, and you have, you, then you have a heart of generosity toward God and toward other people. I really believe the Lord spoke to me in, this, in preparing this message that he was going to elevate people's faith. As you're listening, your faith is rising. And some of you are thinking, I need to get in. He's talking to me. I've been struggling with this. He's talking to me. I'm going to get in this weekend. I'm going to start the generosity journey. It's, it's just the deal. Because is there more where that came from? Yes. See, when there's more where that came from, giving's easy. When you think, well, I may never get any more, then you hoard. And man, hoarders are it's horrible. Let me give you, so give me the third one. Are you ready? Number three. Relational or reluctant? See, we give out of a heart of out of gener- we give a heart of generosity, man, out of a heart of gratitude. It flows out of our love for God. The more we love God, the more we want to give. Was that, would y'all agree with that? For God so loved the world that He what? He gave. See, God's giving was out of God's love for God so so He gave. When I proposed to Michelle, I gave her a ring. Now, don't you understand? I was making fifty dollars a week work with me. You say, well, that was a long time ago. Well, it was, but it's still $50 wasn't much. 1982 wasn't much, not much now. And so, uh, and so I bought a ring. I bought the biggest ring that I could buy, $500. Now, I don't know if you bought a diamond lately, but $500 is not going to do much. And so for years, and she loved that ring. And you know what? I'm not poor anymore. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, being poor wasn't bad, but if I get a choice, poor or money, I'm going to choose money. <laughs> and, so, and so a couple of years ago, I said, Michelle, listen, married 30 years, almost 30 years, I said, let me have your ring. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that ring. I'm going to buy a bigger stone. She said, oh, no. Oh, no, no, I love this one. Lied. Come on, ladies. <laughs> was she lying to me? She was lying, and I thought she was true, and I told a couple ladies, they looked at me and said, Pastor, you're so easy. She doesn't mean that. You take that ring and put a rock in it, and I did. So I bought her two wedding rings, actually two stones, one band. I'm cheap that way, but she got a bigger, a bigger deal. Why did I buy that? Because I love Michelle. I love to, when I buy Michelle a gift, I can't wait. It'll be a week before Christmas. I got it. I said, Michelle, let me, let me give you a Christmas present. She'll say, no, 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 really, I want to get this. She said, no, I want everything to open. I'll go buy you something else. <laughs> no, I don't do that with the kids because I don't really love them. But Michelle, <laughs> man, I'm going to, see, and Michelle wanted a Jeep, a Jeep, a Jeep for rednecks, a Jeep. I said, Michelle, if we get a Jeep, you'll have to get a pack of skull in your hip right here. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. And then she said, I need a lift kit. I said, what? To have a case of skull for a lift kit for a Jeep. I said, why do you want a Jeep? She said, it's my dream car. You know what she drives? 
a Jeep. You know what I do? I wash that Jeep for her. I keep that Jeep running for her. Why? Do I like that Jeep? No. But I love her. And so I'm generous to her because I love her. Now, if you're not saved, I'm not talking to you. Look around the room and say, nana, nana, boo-boo, you Christians. God said, Tim, sin, you're not giving them. I need some lost people to testify. You Christians got to get right. But you're learning what you're going to do when you get saved. I'm trying to help you here. Are you? you got way too many reluctant givers. Would you all agree with that? See, the Bible says don't get out of necessity. Don't get out of compulsion for God loves a cheerful, a hilarious giver. We're almost 20 years old. In February, we'll celebrate our 20th anniversary as a church. This church has been marked by history of generosity. And there's always been more where that came from. Uh, let me tell you something. People say, you know, Pastor, you have so much faith. You have so much faith. Why don't you look up here and listen. You know the reason I have faith? Because we gave. And every time I didn't have enough money and I gave to God and God said there's more where that came from, I learned I could trust God. My first battle was over $20. My last battle was over giving my Corvette last year in the heart for the harvest. See, the battles get bigger, but I know there's more where that came from. Y'all believe that? One more, one more thing, and we're going to wrap this up. The children's people are going to kill me. This is what happens when the campuses leave. Man, I go crazy. It's are you, enti- are you entrusted or are you entitled? Now, young people, I want you to really connect. Young adults, I want you to get this. Because, because many of us see what we have as, as we're entitled to it. I was supposed to have that. See, if you got only what you deserve, then why would you be generous with it? An entitlement mindset is horrible. When you have an entrusted mindset that all I have is God and God has given me, God saved me, God, see, God, God gave me everything, it's all God, I don't deserve this, but God has blessed me, then giving is easy. Does that make sense? Generosity is easy to give away when, you, when you've done that. Are, 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 are y'all with me? All right, come on. Somebody, man, help me. Woo! All right. Man, I want to tell you, every staff member, every leadership team member, every elder key leader are all tithers and givers. Some of us are paying for your parking place. Some of us are paying for your chair. Some of us pay for the ministry for your students or for your children because we love God and we love you and we love the house of God and we want to give to the God of the house. And so, man, if you, if, you will just, if you will begin to step in the journey of generosity and you see God's hand, I promise your faith will grow. We'll tell you one more story when we'll be done. Oh, I'm so over. I'm so sorry. I'm not. This is the deal. They brought a coin to Jesus, and they were trying to trick him, and they said, Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar, knowing there wasn't a right answer? They'd be mad at him, whatever he said. And he said, bring me that coin. He held up and said, whose likeness is that on that coin, stamped on that coin? And they said, it's Caesar. Then he said, give to Caesar that which is Caesar. But he said, give to God that which is God because as I look at you, you know what's stamped on you? God, because you were made in the image of God. And you give God what? Everything that you are. Listen, everything that you are. 10% is easy. More is easy, man. It's just, it's believing God. And moving on because he owns it all. You say, but 10% is so much. Now, I really, I think 90% he lets us keep a lot. Amen? So this is the deal. 
I want to challenge you. Let's, this is the, this is, and, and let, me, let, me, let me finish. Let me skip everything and, and finish. I also had, this message should be two hours long. Nobody's mad. Nobody's mad. There are some of you that are afraid, but don't you listen to this. There's nobody here, that's, there's nobody with your arms crossed mad saying, I don't want to give. I don't want to give. This is what you're saying. I'm going to give later. Later is lethal. I'm going to give after I get married. I'm going to give when I pay my school debt off. I'm going to give uh, I'm gonna, when my kids move out. I'm going to give when I get a raise. I'm going to give when I retire. And you spend the rest of your life saying, I'm going to give later. Later is lethal. I'm going to get saved later. I'm going to come to church next weekend. I'm going to give my heart to Jesus later, later, later. Listen, for many later never comes. So I'm going to challenge you this weekend. God's already speaking to you. This weekend, step in the water. Start giving this weekend. You can give through the kiosk. You can give in the offering boxes. You can text it. You can, you can do whatever. I'm challenging you to give this weekend. Are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? Come on, man. Let's be obedient. So do it this weekend. Now, some of you have never been saved. And so you don't have to give. I've not been talking to you. But you know what? You're ready to step over the line of faith. In a giving sermon, could people be saved in a giving sermon? Sure they can. You can read Peanuts comic strip and people can get saved because God's working on people. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're, man, if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, pray this prayer out loud with me, all of us praying together. Say, dear Jesus, I know you're Lord. I want you to be my Lord. I'm sorry for my sins. I turn away from them. I put all my faith in you. I want to give you my whole life. All that I am. Take it. Break it. Multiply it. And use me to do great things. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, somebody give God some praise. Now, this is absolutely the latest I've ever been in preaching in years. So I'll tighten it up. Y'all got the full, I was going to say money, but that's not right. Uh, I said that before, didn't know what it meant. I know what it means now. So y'all got the full sermon. So if you gave your heart to Jesus or you need something, there's going to be campus pastors up front. You can fill out the communication card. But listen, is leadership important? Will we be a stronger church if our body's stronger in leadership? One of the things that we do every year to ensure that we, that we grow in leadership is the Global Leadership Summit. Some of the greatest, greatest leadership teachers are there for two days. It's videoed from Chicago. It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be off the chart. And, and this is the last weekend to sign up at $79. But we're so committed that you need to go that if you'll sign up this weekend, the church will pay $10 of it, and you'll sign up for $69 this weekend. Every other seat, there's a card like this. But you got to sign up and pay. And so at every door, there are big banners out there that say Global Leadership Summit. At every door, there are people. Man, listen, is, is later lethal? It'll cost you money later here. And we just want to save you money. And so we're going to, the church is going to, we're going to pay. We already pay. We bring this in because we want to interject, inject leadership into the body. So to, the, tonight, before you leave, man, go out there, sign up for the GLS. It's going to be off the chart, unbelievable. Are you all, y'all believe that? See, let, let me tell you one thing, and I'm done. Pastor Josh, tell Gina, I'm so sorry. 
I was in Australia. Michelle and I were at Hillsong Conference. And because we were there, our faith increased. Then Thursday, I spent all day with Andy Stanley and Craig Rochelle, and my faith was ripped apart and vision was packed into my brain. See, when I come on the weekend, I give out. I give and give and give and give. And so I got to go places where I can be fed. Does that make sense? And I'm fed. Faith and leadership, that's the two things I'm looking for. This is the greatest thing that we can bring to you to feed you leadership. So I want to challenge you. Sign up tonight. Amen? There there are 10 people to sign up. The lines won't be long. And so just do it. You've got your credit card. There are people out there to do it. Is that okay? So before you leave, we're paying part of it for you. We'll spend those two days together. I'll be there. All the staff will be there. It's way long. I love you. Be blessed. Be back next weekend. Go sign up for the chill ass. We love you.